If the creek's been rising or the weather's coming up or you found a little nugget or your horse has won the cup, put the billy on. Ring Macca. Australia's waiting for you. That's a ticket. Did you know that ants never sleep? There's a little fact for you. Ants never sleep. Well, that's what I'm told anyway. How are you? I've been uh, out and about in my days off. I've met people. You'll meet them. I'll meet you. Our number's 1300 Give us a ring. Good morning. Want a hand, mate? Ring Macca. An example would be in Tasmania. There's an oyster grower. He was looking at new ways to boost the bottom line and how they could d- differentiate their product from everything else around the world. So they partnered with their local university and came to us with a proposal to develop a CO2 laser. People would say, well, CO2 laser, you know, what does that do? Well, it, it gives them the ability to brand their oysters and the entire way through to your plate gives you the ability to track and trace that these oysters are from some of the most pristine waters in the world. And as a result, they can generate more profit and more money at a wholesale level. They are now not just a oyster grower, they are a machine manufacturer and we'll look at commercialising that to offer to other industries around the world. So it's like putting their tattoo on their oysters. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. You might find an oyster on your plate soon with with their name on it. Be fun. Morning. 1300 700 222 or 8333 1020. You put 02 in front of that. Good morning and welcome to the program. I love words. A lot of our words disappear, words we never use again, and words that turn up that you don't sort of know the meaning of, and then other words whose meanings just change forever. However, this is from a little book called The Swagman's Notebook. It says uh, one shilling, all Australian. Came out in about 1943. And this is a little piece by a bloke called Robert H. Kroll. And that was taken from Wide Horizons. And it's called In Central Australia. And it starts like this. First word, chasma. And I thought, eh? Chasma? And of course, that's the plural, I suspect, of chasm. Like as in Stanley chasm. So I'll read it. Chasma. Is there a series of chasma anywhere in the world to equal that of the McDonnell Ranges? From that little town of Alice Springs, lying snugly in its ring of hills, one may know a dozen great water-cut gaps, any one of which would be sufficient to make a reputation for its countryside. Have you been out there to Stanley Chasm and out to the McDonald's? Probably have. Nature has split them with a lavish hand, astonishing evidence of the hoary age... Now, there's another word you never hear, hoary. Astonishing evidence of the hoary age of the ever-changing hills which the creating rivers have helped to shape. Heavy tree gap, so close to the township that it has become a commonplace to the inhabitants. Yet, how arresting between its tumbling red walls. Attack gap, looking down on Temple Bar Creek, its stern sides ablaze in a way that disguises its immense size. The Glen Helen Gorge, which should be renamed the Fink Gorge, for it is that river's greatest achievement. And a little digression on the Fink, which is thought to be the oldest riverbed in the world. It's the chief river of central Australia, the Fink, rising south of Mount Zeal in the McDonnell Ranges. Its valley cutting through those ranges, it follows a general southeasterly course along a wide, sand-filled channel, which broadens out in northern South Australia into alluvial flats. 
Here in some season, the river overflows hundreds of square kilometres until it unites with the Macumba and empties into Lake Eyre North. Outstanding features are Glen Helen Gorge in the McDonald's, which we've just talked about, the glacial deposits near Crown Point and Palm Valley with its ancient cycad palms found only in the valley, the Fink Gorge National Park at Palm Valley, 19 kilometres south of Hermansburg, is significant because of its long winding gorge and the relict. Now, there's another word I had to look up, relict, R-E-L-I-C-T, anything which has survived from an earlier period or in a primitive form. See, we don't use those words anymore, relict, R-E-L-I-C-T. Um, I'll read that again. Is significant because of its long winding gorge and the relict flora and fauna it contains. The Fink is known to Aborigines as Larapinta, which means salt river, because the Fink contains some constantly salted waterholes. The Fink's a mighty river. I'd love to go walking along the Fink, dry for most of the time, but goes out near old Andado. Just amazing place. But to finish Robert H. Kroll's piece from in Central Australia, so we're up to the part about Glen Helen Gorge, which he says should be renamed the Fink Gorge for it's that river's greatest achievement. And then there's Stanley Chasm, only 18 feet wide for its first 100 yards, a straight cut through a rocky range which rises nearly 1,000 feet above it. See, it's in feet and inches because it's written in 1940s. But their name is Legion, and each gap is distinct and like no other. As Mr Kroll says about these great water-cut gaps, any one of which would be sufficient to make a reputation for its countryside. G'day, this is Macca. Oh, g'day, Macca. This is uh, Bruce Moongong in Cairns. G'day, Bruce. How are you, mate? Oh, you're doing pretty well, I suppose. Feeling fine. Um, enjoying the bit of the accommodation in the uh, hotel lockdown. Oh, really? How come? Oh, we stopped for dinner at the um, hotel in Moree back on the 4th. Oh, and when did you start your lockdown? Oh, just yesterday. It's um, We were... Isolating, self-isolating in our travels, but uh, yes, unfortunately, well, no, well, not unfortunately, I'm on a twentieth wedding anniversary too with my lovely wife, and uh, we were hoping to go out on a cruise to swim in the Minky Wales on the seventeenth. Mate, well, look, uh, at least uh, Bruce, you'll remember this for <laughs> for a long time. So, um, yeah, you and is there many other people in in um, quarantine? I believe there are a few other um, well, caravanners like ourselves that pass through Moree that, uh, well, don't get to know the exact numbers and you don't get to meet them either. No. So where are you quarantining, in your van or in a motel or what? Well, we're in a hotel overlooking the uh, park in Cairns, so I yep. suppose we're lucky to have a room with a view. Yep. Um, and uh, what are your plans for the next uh, 12 days? Well, I guess we're doing a few laps up and down the... Um, Oh, about eight metres length of room and, uh, oh, catching up our movie watching on the free movie channel. Yeah, and you've, have you got some books to read and things like that? Oh, yes, we've got some of those bush ballads we can uh, think we've all recommended in the past. We'll uh, probably learn them by verse by the end of our time. <laughs> See, I think uh, I've been thinking about um, lockdown and things like that and I thought the best... Um, the best thing to do when you're locked down is to play a musical instrument because, I mean, not if you're in a, in a not with a trumpet or something loud or the drums certainly, but yeah, it can um, it can absorb a lot of time. I mean, sometimes I sit down and play the guitar or try to play practice because I don't get to do it much, and then 
you know, after about half an hour or an hour, you've the time's just flown. But um, if you don't play a musical, well, you could start, but then again, you've got to try and get a hold of a guitar or a flute or whatever you're going to play, Bruce. It's not, uh, it's not easy, is it? And um, yeah, I suppose. Look, I, I don't have any suggestions. You, you two, you. What's your wife's name? Oh, Corinne. Have you planned what you're going to do for the next twelve days? I mean, <laughs> I mean, in in some ways, it's um. It's a challenge and it's a, an opportunity, if you know what I mean. My mate George always says, um, when you're facing something that's a bit out of the ordinary or sometimes difficult, he says, look at it as an opportunity, Anne. <laughs> Which, I don't know what that actually means, but I think I do. He's probably trying to yeah, gild the lily a bit. But, um, yeah, so you'll, uh, are you going to oh, continue with your travels after this or what? Oh, yes, sir. We have um, <clears throat> you've got a month off from work. We're not retirees yet, but... Um... We'll be also catching up the Cobalt Gorge and hopefully across the Lawn Hill, I suppose, providing we come out of lockdown well. Yeah, well, let's hope you do, mate. Um, so there'll be quite a few in, in lockdown around the place from who have visited those places. I assume so. That, it was certainly uh, busier than our last time, well, this time last year when we uh, didn't get out of New South Wales on our trip to Darwin. No, and in life, it's... It just gives you an example of how the you never know what's around the corner, do you, Bruce? You just mind your own business, doing the right thing, and all of a sudden here you are in uh, in lockdown, watching movies and reading books and um, practicing singing. Now there's a thing you can do: practice <laughs> practice singing. That's always uh, that's always a challenge too, mate. Uh, you got to find yourself ways to um, amuse yourself, Brucey. But um, well, yeah. that's it. It's um, the weather in Kansas is pretty lousy at the moment. It's raining. Oh, really? Um, quite cool, so uh, we're not missing out on much, I guess. And where's... where's silver lining. Yeah. Where's home, Bruce? Wollongong, is it? Wollongong, yes. All right. Well, look, good luck, Bruce. Nice to talk to you, and I'm sure everybody uh, feels for you. As I said, you're minding your own business, and all of a sudden this happens, but you never know, do you? In this in this world we live in now, you don't know what's around the corner. you just got to smile and bear it, and as George says, looks at, look at it as an opportunity, mate. Yeah, I guess we've got a few more years of this uh, pandemic thing before it uh, get back to what we, well, the new normal be. Who knows yeah. what that will be? Yeah. What do you do for a living, Bruce? I work in the health service looking after um, computer networks throughout the hospitals. There you go. For southeastern Sydney. Good on you, mate. Good on you. And Illawarra. So, yeah, I've been at the coalface joining the dots and um, COVID testing clinics um, up through the wards before the very outstart of it, setting up printers and and yet now... I get the lockdown. Well, good luck, mate, and uh, nice to talk to you. Keep in touch. Ring us, Thanks, ring, ring us when you're getting out, okay? We'll touch base again on another Sunday, hopefully. Good on you, Bruce. <laughs> Thanks, Maga. See you, mate. Bye. Ian, Trevor. Go First Trevor. time caller, but a long-term listener. I had to call you. Uh, you commented about cigarettes being $45 a packet. Yeah. And it brought back some long-term memories I'm an electrician, or I was an electrician by trade with a supply authority in Brisbane, and um, I was sick of their supply authority, so I picked up a job for a company that was converting cigarette machines from the old mechanical to electric, and we had to change the mechanism to take two two shilling coins and a one shilling coin, uh-huh. and when you bought your pack of cigarettes and it spattered out of the machine, the, the uh, change was taped to the packet with a bit of sticky tape. I remember that, yeah. And I thought, crying it aloud, you know, 
haven't hasn't the price of cigarettes changed? <laughs> I, I've never smoked in my life, uh, but I worked for this company, and uh, I was only somebody else the other day was saying what cigarettes are worth, and I died like you. I was standing in a queue at a supermarket, and the person handed over fifty dollar bill and got virtually no change. I went, boy, oh boy, from when I worked in an industry with them, um, how cheap it was. But um, I'm like you. How could you smoke one or two packs of cigarettes a day? It'd be a very expensive habit. Well, it would, would be, it? but I, I'm but I'm sure people do it. Um, and the oh, other thing yes. was, I'm not sure if it's still um, the case, but I remember talking to my friend uh, Debbie, who's got a who got a supermarket in a, in a country town, and she was talking about <clears throat> you know contraband cigarettes. There's a there was a market. I don't know if it's still. This was a, so I I talked to her at least a year ago, where just a bit like. Um, um, drugs, um, cigarettes, um, cheap cigarettes were being imported into the country in uh, all sorts of ways. So people, and you'd, you'd, you wouldn't wonder that people would want to get hold of cheap cigarettes when that's the price of them. So I'm not sure that that's still the case if they've still got contraband cigarettes coming in in containers and stuff like that. But I think she said they were coming in in containers and even if they get, you know, Three quarters of the containers, they can still make a profit on one container load of uh, illegal cigarettes from I don't know where they came from overseas somewhere. But um, so you'd think that you'd want to get a try and get a cheap packet of cigarettes, wouldn't you, if you're paying that? Yeah, sure. Well, you see on those border protection shows on television how much the uh, people from overseas bring cigarettes in in their in their uh, suitcases and their clothes because they're cheap to get them in. Yeah. No, I, I had to give you a buzz. There's a funny side of the story also. Um, I was I had a lot of – I lived in an area in Brisbane where I had a couple of cousins in the same street because my late grandfather was the builder. And um, now and again, the machine used to damage the packets. So you'd pull the packet out and you'd write it off and then declare, put the cigarette in a, in a bin in the back of the van. Uh. And then at the weekend, my cousins, and one of them was a builder, he'd come down and go through the box and – take out the cigarette and roll his own, and he used to help me wash the truck. So I had the cleanest truck in the fleet, and uh, no one knew why. <laughs> Good on you, Trev. Nice. All right, mate. You take care. I've been a couple of the outside broadcasts. First time I've rung you. Uh, and the other one of the questions that your partner asked me, what did I have my radio turned off? I actually um, listened to you on Channel 25 on the TV. Good on you, mate. Good on you. I'm, I'm, I'm laying in bed still. Haven't been up. Hope we come. Hope we're coming up to Brisbane in a, in a week or three. Um, hopefully. Um, so I might see you. Good. Take care, mate. Thanks see you, mate. Bye. Bye. Hi, uh, good day, Naka. This is Bob from Palarenda in Queensland. That's easy for you to say, Bob. Where are you from, pa- Palarinda? Yeah, it's uh, just uh, it's a suburb of Townsville. Uh huh. Yep. Right on the beach opposite Magnetic Island. Oh dear, oh dear. How nice is that? I love Townsville. Lovely. Um, yeah. And you had the um, you had the debacle there in in uh, Townsville during the week, didn't you? The football debacle. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did, did you go? Pity. No, no. Oh, you couldn't get a seat. Couldn't get a seat. No. No. Anyway, what's uh, what's happening, Bob, in Palaranda? Um Well, at Palaranda. the moment, I'm uh, sitting listening to you with my grandson's dog. He's a little foxy, Prince Charles. But the others are uh, still. Pushing the Zeds, I guess, while my daughter and her husband are up in Tally on their farm at East Faluga, actually. And uh, they've been picking rambutans and mangosteen. That's an exotic tropical fruit. Mangosteens, yeah, I know. I've seen those. Um, and where are they, East Faluga? East Faluga, yeah. That's, that's between Tally and Mission Beach, yeah. 
There's two two places I have not heard a lot of, Palorinda and East Faluga, mate. And so yeah. they're, they're picking rambutans and mangosteens. Are, yeah, are yeah. mangosteens the ones that really stink? Which no, are, no, no, which, that's durian. Durian. No, no, mangosteen is just quite a small fruit with a hard skin and um, you just sort of have to cut the hard skin away and you've just got a beautiful fruit uh, in the middle, quite, quite a sweet fruit. So and the, the and the rangutan is uh, tastes a bit like um, the. Um, They're a big uh, banana, lychee. right? Like no, like they no, lychee. They yeah. taste a bit like lychee. All oh, right, there you go. Yeah. So is that and is that? Um, can you make money out of growing those sort of fruits? Oh yeah, they they, they do. They're, they're quite because they're exotic fruit. Um, they. Um, uh, they're doing very well anyway uh, because the exotic fruit's quite expensive, but it's mainly the Asians that buy it, I guess, yeah. um, because most of um, most of the Aussies really don't know what they are. I took some into the gym the other day and had to show them how to... Uh, they were only the rambutans and had to show them how to split the skin and eat them, yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, so do you ever go up and help them pick, Bob? Oh, yeah, we did for years. Yeah, we, we were in... Um, Catherine, actually, that um, uh, song or um, recital you, <clears throat> just a short while ago you played there, Quick. Uh, that was our old stamping ground. Oh, right. So it yeah, got quite a history. I was got to go, Bobby. I've got to go, Bobby, but nice to talk to you, mate. Thanks for your call. All right. Okay, so, no worries. Thank you. Damon's in Ballina. Good morning, Damon. G'day, Maka. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. What are you doing in Ballina? Just checking the surf, actually. And how's it look? Really good. Yeah, beautiful morning. Whales are splashing. Sun's just come up over oh. the horizon, so it's magic, pretty magic. Are you a surfer? Uh, try to be sometimes when I get time. <laughs> and we should do, this is the time of year when we should do um, water temperature reports from from Lake Jindabyne to uh, Ballina to... Yeah, I love the reports down south, you know, when you're down near Tassie and it's, you know, nine or eight degrees. That's uh, that's fresh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, uh, I grew up in Victoria, so it does get down to about 10, but uh, it definitely feels like that here, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, a, a mate of mine said he, he likes to go swimming in winter because the weather, the water is warmer than the outside temperature. So when he's in the water... The temperature, he's swimming um, off in New South Wales. The temperature, water temperature is about, oh, I don't know, depends. But it can be as, as warm as 18 in uh, in winter sometimes. We get, can get down lower. but um, Absolutely. Oh, it's just the air chill that uh, it gets you. But, um, yeah, it's not too bad. So, I, uh, I wanted to, to ring up and just uh, share a kind of a, I guess, a nice memory with you. Um, my father recently just passed and I grew up listening to you with him oh, right. or when I was remember waking up six years old I won't tell you how old I am now <laughs> <laughs> you'd be you'd be 37 I reckon uh, a bit less a little bit less bit, but, bit... <laughs> uh, just to, just your legacy and and the memories that I have with him and, and growing up and listening to you and his traveling around Australia, you know, same as you, and um, yeah, it's just it's a beautiful memory, and, and what you do is just absolutely sensational. And so many people, <laughs> I think, get so much out of it. 
Well, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a telegraph right around Australia, city to country, which is really important, and that's sort of that's just sort of grown. You know, it's one of the few programs where you get city and country together, and it's all over. So if you're in Ballina and someone's in Brisbane and someone's in Broome and someone's in wherever, you know, in the Gippsland, it's it's sort of connecting, Damon. That's what I like about it. Oh, it's fantastic! It really is. It's um, what you do is just absolutely sensational and. I've done a bit of travelling around Oz myself, and um, yeah, having all those things connected—it's just—it's fantastic. Well, very important, especially in times like this last year or so, which is bewildering. I think I don't know if you were up earlier when I, Bruce rang from Cairns, and they arrived in Cairns and heard the news about Maury, and so now they're in quarantine—they're on their twentieth wedding uh, anniversary tour, and now they're in quarantine in a hotel in Cairns, which is. You know, so you don't know what's around the corner. So, in some ways, it's bewilder. It's been a bewildering year. So, I think to connect one another, I think that's just about the best you can do. Oh, Dame. Oh, definitely. It's uh, yeah, like I said, some people have had just such a rough trot with it. I mean, you know, we probably don't even know the worst of some people's stories of how they've been affected by COVID. But uh, we've been very, very lucky in northern New South Wales. That's for sure. Oh, so uh, so you live in Ballina. Yes, yeah. And you moved up there from Victoria some time ago. Oh, oh, oh well, sort of. <laughs> bit of a all over, but I actually moved here from Kununurra in WA. Wow. Well, you have been around, Damon. Yeah, yeah, have been. So, no, it's good. But this is a good spot to be, So, especially this morning. I'll say. All right. Nice to talk to you, mate. Hey, if you get in the water, then half your luck. Good on you, mate. Travelling in the car the other day with a young bloke, with a young 10-year-old. Is he 10? No, he's not. He's only nine, isn't he? And um, Lee noticed that he had odd socks on going to primary school. Goes to Oatley West. (laughs) No, well. Um, And uh, she said, Cam, you've got odd socks on, mate. He said, no, no worries, Nan. No worries. That's that's fine. No worries. And and she told me this when she came home and... and I thought about it, and then I thought, that's probably the new thing for young kids to wear odd socks. And I thought, it's sort of, you know, I think it's a bit edgy. So I've got odd socks on this morning. I've got a red one on and a pale sort of one on. Nobody's noticed because my trousers don't come up. But he wears he wears shorts, although some sometimes they wear long trousers. I never wore long trousers, I suppose because mum couldn't afford them. But until you wear out your shorts, I think I was in about year 10 or 11 before I had long trousers. There you go. But he's got, he. I think he had long trousers, but he said, no, no worries. No, I'm wear, so I'm going to wear odd socks now. And then I think the next thing is really to wear odd shoes. And I think, you know, if you're someone like Kel who's got a wardrobe full of shoes and you never get to wear all of them, so it'd be good to wear just one of each really fashionable shoes and you could talk about each one. Thank you, Tanny. How are you? Tanny, could you get me a cup of tea from the, out of the green room? Um, thank you. And, yeah, so maybe you could wear odd socks and odd shoes or just wear similar socks but odd shoes. You'd be very daring for older people, but for young kids, they don't care. No, no worries. No, I'm wearing odd socks. That's good. Yep, it's all good. Uh, 1300 700 um, is our number this morning. The Canamble uh, Rodeo and Camp Draft's on today and you'll meet a bloke right now, okay? Thank you. Good on you, mate. Bye. Bye.
I'm talking to James Taylor with his big rig here at the Canamble Camp Draft Radio. What do you do, James? Oh, I've got country just out of Canamble and manage a um, corporate place as well. So, yeah. Uh-huh. And you come here for, for what? You bring horses? Oh, I camp or? draft, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I've got... Um, you ride? or? Yeah, I ride. So um, we've you? got four horses here. So, yeah. How long have you been camp drafting? <sighs> long time. <laughs> well, tell us. Go on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I started as a kid and um, had a bit of a spell and then started again probably 15 years ago. Explain yeah. to people who don't know what the hell camp drafting is, what do you do? Well, you'll start with, say, seven in the camp yard in a small yard. You'll pick one out and cut it out from the others, take it up to the front of the yard, do a few turns and just show how clever your horse is. And, um, and then there's a cloverleaf pattern that you'll go out into the arena. And it can be a left or right-hand course, but it's a cloverleaf. And then you sort of put it through a gate as such, which is just two pegs out in the middle. And you get judged on um, in the camp and... And then you get judged outside on your horsework and, and then you get points for the course as well. So it's a very old-fashioned sport that we do. And you've been at it for a while. Been how, at it for a while. Yeah. How do you go? Oh, we go all right there. Are you going better? Yeah, we, um, <laughs> otherwise we wouldn't keep doing it, would we? Yeah. But it's a bit like playing golf, I think. You um, just get to have a good run and that makes you come back next weekend sort of thing. So. But, I mean, I do it for a living too, I suppose. I mean, I work on, you know, I mean, we've run cattle of our own. And, uh, yeah. Um, so this is a bit Irish because I can't pay to go and chase someone else's on the weekend. So that's a bit silly, isn't it? But anyway. So you do it professionally? Oh, no, not professionally. There's not really any professional. There's some that, you know, only a very small number. I don't, you know, they make a living with selling horses and so forth, but there's not enough. You know, there's a few big drafts, but, you know, it's a very levelling game. You can be very clever one weekend and you you need a bit of luck as well because you've got... You know, a horse and a beast and a yourself. So there's three minds all that don't always think alike. So well. That's what the bloke said to me with the sheep. He said, you've got three sheep, a bloke and a dog, and someone's always <laughs> stuffing it up. <laughs> someone doesn't want to play the game. Or someone didn't read the same book as you did, see, so it doesn't always work. But, it's, but I mean, it's a lot of fun. And you can do it from, you know, kids to... A bit of age, and um, there's you know plenty of seventy odd year olds and eighty year olds that'll draft, and, and um, you like it because what you're involved with an animal, and yeah, well it's something uh, with horses, and I've yeah it's something we've always done, and keen on horses, and anyway, you're really riding against yourself as such because you know even though it's a, and it's not a um, but it's a team as far as you and your horse, and and it's a good family sport. And yeah, my kids draft as well, so yeah, it's all. Uh, all good. And you've got to be keen because it's nearly minus, I reckon, it, you know, the temperature, they say it's eight degrees, but it feels like whatever. Yeah, it feels, feels like, like a rule. Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, no, it's proper cold for Canamble. It's This is as cold as it gets, I think. So, yeah. no, it's, yeah, anyway. But the country's looking good. Looking lovely. You know, we're off to a good start again. We had a good year last year. and You know, the season's we're just about finished farming, so it's a bit more rain again tomorrow and then um, be just nice and frosty for the weekend. Do you just come to Canamble or you go around the place? Oh, follow, no, I do. Yeah, follow I, the I travel circuit. A bit. Yeah, 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 travel a bit. So into Queensland and down south. Love to see a bloke or a lady who's just keen on their, passionate about their sport, mate. And that's what you've got to be to, yeah. to be do well at it too. I think keen on animals and yeah, so it all works. So keeps you poor. So well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not always a good thing. No, not always. But it's just an interesting thing to do. So, James, when do you get time to practice? Not like we used to. Yeah, I've got a full-time job with a um, corporate, so I go home at night and turn my lights on the arena, and my horses are like show ponies. They, uh, they ride around in the dark. <laughs> Hardly ever see cattle, and we've got thousands of them. But anyway, it's just um, it's not like it used to be, but, yeah, because I'm just a bit too busy to uh, do it during the day. Times have changed, haven't they? I mean, we, we've lived through a time of great change in, in the world and in Australia as well, haven't we? But you adapt, don't you? Oh, we do. I never thought I'd go to work with an iPad and... Um, yeah, you know, we have all these... Anyway, it's it's great. And running what we do, it's you need it to be able to do it efficiently and economically. So uh, that's what we do. 
So we've had to um, adapt and change and learn all this stuff that we never thought we'd use. So, uh, yeah, it's just what we do. Good on you, James. Thanks very much. Quickly, Marion's in Coffs Harbour. Morning, Marion. Good morning. We're driving to Sydney from Gold Coast down uh, just south of Coffs Harbour now. All right. Yep. And what for? uh, Oh, going down to look after a new grandbaby. All right. Australia's on the road, Marion. Australia's on the road. Whatever they're doing, lots of things. We're all here, aren't we? We are. We are. Um, I just wanted to tell you about my little story about shoes. All right. Um, I used to have a shoe business for 45 years, and I had this, many years ago, I had this lovely young customer, and she bought, came in and bought a pair of red shoes, and then she came back and bought the same design in black, and she said, I'm going to wear one of each colour. Exactly. And she did this. She went to a cocktail party. She wore one red shoe and one black shoe. And that's how she met her future husband, because he came up to her and said, well, you must be an interesting person. Well, that's exactly right. Well, I've got odd socks on this morning, Marion, and I think the same thing might happen to me. You'll meet all sorts of interesting... They'll stop, they'll stop and have a chat because, hey, look, this bloke seems a bit edgy. Um, exactly. I'm not sure that I'm prepared to wear odd shoes, but I think if you wore odd shoes that were even, if you know what I mean, like the lady, um, the same the same pair but in a different colour, I think it's very... And young Cameron, who's only nine, he's, he's obviously a trendsetter, this kid. He's going to go places. I think so. I think he's out there. Yeah, he said, uh, no, no, don't worry, Nanny. No, no, it's fine. It's a fine I'm off to school with. And if can you imagine if we'd have wore odd socks to school? I mean, it would have you'd have been laughed out. You'd run home crying and say to your mother, "Oh God, put me wrong socks on," or something. Like that. But there you go. So, so Marion, how was the shoe business? Uh, it was it was a wonderful business, a wonderful business, and I had uh, I was blessed with really wonderful customers. And uh, but I'm retired now, so. Um, and quite pleased I'm not in retail anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we used to make shoes everywhere here in Australia, didn't we? Australia used to make shoes and biscuits and soft drinks and ice creams. We used to make everything yes. here. Yes, I wonder if we have the skills to make much anymore. No, I don't think we do, Marion. Or maybe we don't have the, um, I don't know, the drive. You've got you to have the drive. It's too easy for everybody, and I'm including myself in that. Um, I think it's a bit easy for us all. Not that you want to, you know beat yourself to death if you know what I mean but yeah I think Australia's got a great history of wonderful people who've done things and got things off the ground um, maybe we're still doing it but um, yeah I think um, we uh, that we have, who grew up in that era when we were making all sorts of stuff there were shoe there were shoe factories everywhere when I was a kid and and we made stuff but anyway um, keep on keeping on Marion lovely to talk to yeah. you and, thank you thanks and, Mac. And, and look after the newborn I will do. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I think we. I think. Better. I think we're starting a trend, Marion. I think this will be another trend. I think so. I think we're out there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. Good morning, Mecca. Morning. My name's Kim. Good day, Kim. I've spoken to you many years ago, but we've just done something a little bit out there. Mm-hmm. I've taken two young wild horses from Karatha Station that I've handled that are going to be therapy horses. And we've just spent three days walking across the country to Wickham, past Roburn, 80 kilometres. Wow, what a lovely thing to do. Karatha Station, is that where you work or what's the story, Kim? No, I was living there last year during COVID. I got 
caught, I got, you know, sort of stuck there and just started handling some baby horses that were wild and yeah. And they're actually going to be my therapy horses in Robin for programs with kids. Uh, that sounds lovely. Horses are lovely things. Um, and they talk, you have animal therapy, dog therapy. I haven't yep. heard of uh, horse ther- therapy. Tell me about it. So, yeah, we use horses. Horses are great. They're a metaphoric mirror image to your subconscious. So I facilitate between the horse and the human as to what's going on in someone's mind. Yeah, um, so I can tell by the horse's behaviour and things like that what's going on with a person at the time. So it's it's fascinating. Like, But this we had a young gentleman join us for the last 30 Ks, a 16-year-old boy who's been in a bit of trouble with the law. And full credit to him, the journey he went on with us yesterday emotionally and discovering things about himself is just incredible. I mean, we're all dead tired, especially us that walk for full three days. Um, but it was just amazing. He's never touched a horse before. We had to get him over rail crossings and one of the horses at the first rail crossing on the trek, it took us an hour to get her over it. But he just walked straight over it with her. We went under the major road <laughs> underpass with traffic. She didn't flinch and he walked calmly and we talked about trust. You know, trusting, you have to build a relationship with trust with your horse. Yeah, exactly. So you've got that, you've got nothing and, and respect because... If you don't have it on the ground, you'll never have it when you're on their back. Kimmy, so, uh, but what it did for him was just incredible, hey. Yeah, and what's it like? Where are you this morning? At Wickham uh, Pony Club at the old Mickey Bulls Racing Stables. Yep. Which is where we'll stay. We've got a lot of work ahead of us to get all this cleaned up and get it going. But, you know, life's about challenges, isn't it? I'll say. I'll say. And what's it like there this morning? Oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's been a hot couple of days. We were walking in. 29 degrees heat and we I forgot to factor into the walk um, Mickey Bulls and clean skins <laughs> there you go that yeah. was interesting <laughs> and dingoes yeah. there was oh. one night the dingoes got really really close and I just woke up unclipped my kelpie bitch who's only seven months old and chucked her in the car and <laughs> where you go <laughs> yeah good on, we you went back good on you Kimmy great to talk to you you too. Take care, and I love listening in. Good on you. Bye. All right. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Macca. It's uh, John Burke here, mate. Yes, John. Yeah, look, uh, we've just brought a tug over from uh, WA. We're uh, just across the Australian uh, flight, about 60 miles west of uh, King Island at the moment. Chuck's going to his new home in Tassie, and uh, we've been listening to you this morning. I thought I'd give you a call and tell you how wonderful it is out here, mate. Wish we were there, mate. Wish we were there. So where are you? You're in the bite. So we're at a 30-metre tug, and uh, the, the Tasmanian uh, Ports Authority have uh, got hold of it. We're taking it over for them. What's the name of the tug, mate? So the tug's called it's the RT Force. Uh, ex-West Australian and, uh, yeah, bound for a new home in Tassie, mate. John, tell us about the life of it. Are you, a tug, are you the tug master? Um, uh, I'm the first, the first officer on the tug. And, uh, yeah, we're, uh, I've spent a fair bit of time driving these things over the last 10 years or so up in Port Hedland and down on the West Coast. Uh, like, yeah, come from Hobart, you know, Fly up and up and back to to Port Hedland and uh, looking forward to getting home, mate. Yeah, where's home, John? 
homes in Hobart, down in down in Howden, just out of just out of Hobart. Uh-huh. You wake us down and with a couple of sheep and a, uh-huh. a few puppy dogs and yeah, so you, pretty good. So you get around on this tug to do all sorts of work, or the tug does get around. Yeah, the, this, this tug is uh, is going to be the the pride of the fleet in the the Tasmanian tug fleet. I've uh, been pulled out of uh, semi retirement to help get across, help them get it across here. So we, uh, when they asked me to do a run across the bottom of uh, Australia in the middle of winter, I thought, oh, I don't know about that, but uh, we've actually had a pretty good run. She's uh, the weather's been the weather gods have been good to us, mate. Yeah, I was just thinking when when I get a call from the Great Australian Bite, um, I just think, wouldn't that be magic to be there? But I'm not a I'm not a great sailor, John. But um, so it's all right there this morning. Yeah, no, we've we've had a good run. We had uh, plenty of wind in front of us and plenty of wind behind us, but uh, we managed to score a pretty weather pattern, and uh, we've had a yeah great run. We we cast off from uh, Frio, uh, Fremantle on uh, Sunday last week, so we've been at sea for a week now, and uh, quite looking forward to getting home and having a beer, mate. <laughs> exactly. The last time we had a call from the Great Australian Bite was a bloke called Captain Slim, and I think he was on the Iron Wyala or the Iron Monarch or something, and he was probably coming back from Japan, and he called us, and he said he was right in the middle of the Great Australian Bite. Um, we, are, you yeah. stick, are you sticking to the coast, or are you out in the straight across? Uh, we were about 100 miles. Sorry, I've, I've lost you, John. I've lost you. Uh, Start yeah, again. We were, about, we were about 200 miles south of the top of the bite. Um, so we sort of looped up there a bit. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a dream run, mate. Dream run. Well, we'll see you in, uh, in Hobart sometime, John, when we come down there. Yeah, sounds great, Manga. I'll look out for you. Do they still have that winter festival in, in Hobart or is that over now? Or is... uh, no, look, I've been away. I think the uh, – I'm not sure exactly what the, the times are, the dates are with it at the moment. But, uh, yeah, you don't you don't get a lot of news when you're out. So you're sort of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a little bit removed. But they don't deliver the paper out there, mate. No, that's terrible. Um, I, I don't know what I'd do, uh, Johnny. Um, <laughs> I suppose you can get it online. So, John, um, you've uh, what do you do out? Uh, you know, the food and all that sort of stuff. You you eat well and all that sort of thing out there. Yeah, yeah. No, they they look after us. The good mob that we're working for. They uh, they make sure that we're uh, we're fully stocked up with everything except. Uh, yeah, no beer on board these days. That's uh, that's a thing of the past, unfortunately. Well, it's amazing, isn't it, to think that people would would drink on board? Because, but you know, ha- times you know times have changed for the bad and for the for the better. And I suppose that's for the better, John. Although yeah. I know you, I know you're dying for a beer, and I know probably how you feel after um, you know a year, at, uh, a, a month, a, a week. Sorry, at sea, but um, <laughs> it makes it. Um, pleasure deferred is a pleasure enhanced, or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's right. No, it's that's uh, definitely right. But mate, we've had it. Look, it's been a great run. We've had a great crew on board. Uh, she's a great tug, and uh, I'm sure Tassie, the, the people down in Tassie, are going to really appreciate seeing this thing down. That she's going to be uh, something special. The name of the tug again? The name of the tug's the RT Force. The RT Force. There you go. Yeah. All right, Johnny. Yeah. Good on you, mate. Lovely to lovely. Oh, we saw some. Tug, we talked to some tug blokes down there last time. Not last time. 
Um, some years ago down in Tassie, there was a couple of tugs there, and I talked to them. You might have been. Yeah. Was, it wasn't you, was it? No, no, no it wasn't me. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll look out for you when you come down and, uh, yeah, go around the place a bit, mate. Yeah, did you see any you see any whales out there or interesting, um, you know, white pointers or anything? No, we haven't seen a thing. Haven't seen anything. Hardly a bird, mate. Every, everything that's got in your brains goes north for the winter. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. All right, Becca. Catch your cover. Thanks, John. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. Lisa's in uh, Lamaru. Morning, Lisa. Good morning, Macca. How you going? What's happening? Oh, this morning, waking up this morning in Lamaru, which is still dark and uh, quite cold. Uh, this morning is my very last day of working as a rural locum uh, in Lamaru, and I'm retiring after 42 years. Wow. Lisa, this is a big day then. Indeed it is. Uh-huh. Um, and, yeah, I've worked in every state and territory except the Northern Territory and including three years in Antarctica. Well, you've been around. So, Lisa, tell me this. Um, where are you, where, where's sort of home? You're in Lamaru at the moment on locum. Where- home for me is uh, Canberra. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, well, I was just in um, Newman two weeks ago. and. Gee. And the week before that, I was in um, Norfolk Island for two months. Wow. And I suppose there's a big demand for locums uh, um, around oh, the place. Is unmet there? demand. And what every rural country town is calling out for is not locums, but permanent um, rural GPs. Yes. I worked, I had my own practice, solo practice for 27 years in northwest New South Wales. And then that became a monster and I needed to leave that so I went to Antarctica for the first time and <laughs> after that I've been doing locums all over the place and that's yeah that's uh that's your shtick if you like you like uh, doing that going to a place yeah, for a while and then moving on and then somewhere else yeah you, you meet uh, really fantastic people and um I always do it in rural areas um because uh yeah I've really get on with the uh, farming community and rural people. I I don't do locums in cities. Uh, yeah, that's no, just not my gig. No, well, I suppose because it's a smaller thing, you you get to know the people and they get to know you, and that's nice. In in big cities, we're a bit anonymous in lots of ways, aren't we? And, and life's not about being anonymous when you're a human being. You like company and companionship and all those sort of things, don't you? Yeah, that's very true. And I've been coming back to Lamaru here regularly for, I don't know, uh, four years. And um, the people are lovely, um, lovely people to work with and work for. And what's and, it? Uh, sorry, what's sorry. it like there this morning? What's uh, what's the weather in like? This morning it's, it's still dark and um, quite cool, about five degrees. Wow, yes. And what are you doing? What's uh, your plan for today, Lisa? I'm still on call today. I've, uh, I've tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. I go off call, and that that's it. I uh, change <laughs> from being a r- rural doctor to being a retired old lady. <laughs>
All right, after 42 years, well, I'm... I know that how you'd feel because when you do a job like yours, you're you're fulfilling a need, and you'll you'll probably feel that as you when you go into those places, they're so glad to see you, and that's a nice feeling too. It is, mm. it is. Um, yeah, Lamaru's very very generous, um, not with material things, but just the way they treat you. And um, yeah, I've enjoyed coming back here. COVID got in the way last year, of course. Uh. Well, good luck, Uh, Lisa. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Nice nice to talk to you. Okay, bye. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.